So in a moment, Preston is going to read for us. You got a microphone, Preston? You're good to go. Okay. In a moment, Preston's going to read for us. Um, and then after Preston, I'm actually going to step in and I'm going to preach part one. Okay. And then midway through, uh, Maya is somewhere. I don't know where she's at. Maya is going to read part two to us. So there's going to be two different sections. But what you're going to hear this morning uh, from both of them are these two bookends. So as Preston reads, you're going to hear the first part. And in the first part, it's just this reminder that Paul is in prison. Okay, and when Maya reads on the very end, I think it's verse like 29, you're going to hear Paul talk about suffering. He says it's, it's not just for um, you to believe, but it's also for you to suffer if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So there's prison, and then there's suffering, and we're going to look at what's in the middle, and what we're going to see is lots of gospel and lots of Jesus, okay? And then when Maya starts reading, you're going to see something else, two more bookends. One of them is going to be life, and the other one is going to be death, okay? So here's these two bookends. Well, what do we find in the middle? Same thing. You're going to see gospel, and you're going to see lots of Jesus, and all of that will make sense as it unfolds for us. Okay, Preston, are you ready? Okay, Preston is going to read the Word of God to us. Um, I'm reading from Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of, my, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Okay, very good. Um, I just pray that you'll take these words and, and pay attention, and I'm going to walk back through some of the reading again this morning, but there's a lot of really, really good stuff and heavy stuff that's there. Okay, so Cameron, I can't get my, we forgot to charge the clicker, so you're going to click from the back this morning. You can't click from the back. Okay, uh, Sam's going to be our, our clicker. Okay, so everyone, this is Sam Adams. He's our designated clicker for today. Would you give him a round of applause? Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to let you know when to click. Yes, yes, very good. Okay, so we're going to have four truths this morning, and you can see that in your worship guide. So when you, when you hear the story of David and Goliath, okay, what is it specifically about that story that encourages you and challenges you. So throw that back to me. Why, why do we tell that story over and over? What encourages you? Challenges you. His faith, which was shown how? He faced the giant, right? Anything else? It's, just, and it's not just David and Goliath. Think of, yeah, this is for the men. Think of Gladiator. Or think of William Wallace, you know, or think of Frodo Baggins, 
You know, or think, think of Peter just stepping off of the boat and saying, Lord, I want to walk on the water too. What we're going to see this morning is going to show us a little bit about what it is about David and Goliath that has this as one of the most retold stories in Scripture. And it's this word courage. Courage inspires us. You know, courage um, is going to bring out this desire for, oh, I want to be more like David because we want that kind of faith. Okay, Sam, if you'll click, here we go. Keep on going. Okay, I want you to go back to 12 through 14. Okay, look us look at this passage in 12 through 14. Uh, Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, so he's like saying, this has happened to me, I'm in prison, but it's really served to advance the gospel. So it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. And they're more bold to speak the word of God. Okay, without fear. So Paul's saying, I'm in prison. But because Christ is the center of his life, he's not focusing on himself. If this were me, and I'm in prison, and I'm eating the food, and it's cold, and there's rats, and everything else, I'm like, oh gosh, gosh, I miss you guys, but it's terrible here. Let me tell you about my conditions. My focus would be on me. And Paul just quickly moves beyond that. Yep, I'm in prison, but let's move beyond that, and let's talk about what the Lord um, is doing here. Uh, 13 and 14 again. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Okay, so Paul's saying, yes, this thing has happened, but this thing is a glorious thing, you know, and the reason I'm here is actually for Christ. So ima imagine the different members of the imperial guard, and they come up to Paul, and they're like, okay, buddy, so what'd you do to get in here, right? Because it's obvious that if you are in a Roman prison, you have done something wrong, and you have, you know, received this, this judgment that's coming upon you, you are guilty. And Paul does this. He says, okay, I'll tell you, the reason Imperial Guard had much power and different people, different shifts are hearing this story over and over, the reason I'm here is because I'm actually a follower of Jesus Christ and that's why they put me in prison. Jesus, Jesus Christ. You don't know about Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. You know, Jesus is the one. He's the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And He came to earth. And you know why? Because our hearts are deceitfully wicked. And we've got this sin that separates us from the Lord. And, he, and I can keep on going. And Paul takes this and he shares this gospel message with the imperial guard. I mean, you talk about taking lemons and turning it into lemonade, Paul's like, okay. So under the sovereign hand of God, I have found myself in this prison. How can I make this work for the advantage of the kingdom? And he moves forward and he shares the gospel over and over and over. This is a point for you. Make no doubt about it. God will allow suffering and even imprisonment and even death in order to advance the gospel. You can see it in verse, uh, I think it's 29, 
suffering as a believer should be normal. I remember reading this book, The Insanity of God, and there was this missionary and and he was talking about the struggle that was taking place in Africa and in China. And at one point in time, you know, he said something to these, these, I think it was in China, these Christians that were being persecuted. And he was praying that God would remove the persecution, that they would no longer suffer. And they said, why would you do that? Why would you pray that we don't receive persecution? He's like, well, because you all are hurting. I mean, they're really torturing you. You're, you're going without food for many days and all these things. And they said, yeah, but doesn't the Bible say that that's going to be part of Jesus' fellowship? Please don't pray that the persecution would quit, but pray that we would be able to endure the persecution for the gospel's sake. It's a different way of looking at life. It's a different way of looking at your circumstances. And then Paul is saying, because of this, okay, the gospel is spreading throughout the region, okay, and my friends that are believers are seeing it and it's empowering them. They're having more confidence and they're speaking the word of God more boldly because they're saying, man, if Paul's in prison and he's bold enough to speak the gospel to the imperial guard, surely to goodness I can open up my mouth and tell my neighbor about Jesus. Which leads to Point number one, or truth number one. Christians who are courageous are contagious. Christians who are courageous are contagious. Click us again there, Sam. Listen to these, these words. As many words can be spoken in human discourse without the slightest risk or need for courage. But speaking this particular word, a Christ-centered word always requires courage. The message of Christ's humble obedience unto death on a cross strikes a blow at every proud heart. That's from G. Walter Henson. He was one of the commentators that I was reading this week. And what he's saying is, it's one thing to talk about the weather. It's another thing to step into this heated debate about politics and about COVID and all of these things where people have got strong opinions. But when you say, I am going to take the word gospel and I'm going to interject the word Jesus into a conversation with someone, that takes courage. Daniel McIntosh is one of the pastors in Johnson City, and we hired him years ago. And I remember spending time with him, and I noticed that wherever we were, he would always speak the name Jesus. He just used the word Jesus a lot. And I'm like, man, you, you say the word Jesus more than anybody that I know. And he said, yeah, it's, it's intentional. I'm trying to get myself into this habit of speaking the name Jesus because the more I say the name Jesus in different settings, the more confident I am in speaking the name Jesus to share the gospel with other people. And the more bold I am to be a light for Jesus in a dark world, I encourage you, you know, practice. Practice speaking the name of Jesus and have courage to do so. So here's my first question for you, and it's my first question for me. Series of questions. When times of suffering or spiritual warfare come your way, what is your default response? Do you focus on your situation and wallow in self-pity? Okay, I often do. Or do you look beyond your circumstances and look beyond what is temporary 
and look at the eternal. To phrase it a more kingdom-focused way, does your response help to advance the gospel or not? Or, here's a question, would people that watch you live your life, not just through good times, but through bad times as well, would they say that you are a courageous Christian? Would they say that you have faith that is courageous? That's what we're stepping into. And that's what we desire. Christians who are courageous are contagious. I struggled with this. You know, even as I was preparing this sermon, and I will not wax you the, all of the stuff that's happened in my you know, world over the past year that's physical. But there's these physical things and there's tests and there's CAT scans and there's, you know, whatever. You know, one thing after another, heart cath and just, you know, and I'm like, what in the world? And I find myself wallowing in self-pity and talking about these things and reading articles and trying to understand what the doctors are trying to find and everything else. Man, you can just get sucked into that world and forget that this has happened under the sovereign hand of God and everything that is allowed for a believer should spur our faith on so that we could speak the gospel more boldly and so that other people could see that and it would be contagious and they would do the same. And that's what Paul's doing. He's not talking about prison life. He's saying, but it's a good thing because what's happening is the gospel's spreading. And these believers that are watching and they're hearing, they're starting to share the gospel more frequently and more boldly as well. And you know what? Yeah, I'm in prison, whatever. But the gospel's spreading and the kingdom is growing. And for that, I rejoice. Okay, now let's look at 15 through 18. Some weird things that are happening here. Some indeed preach Christ from envy, and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. He says, what then? Or so what? He says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in faith, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice." Yes, and I will rejoice. You know, Paul's saying, oops, I just lost it. Paul's saying, you know why I always carry a backup? Because these things can happen. We can't always trust technology. You know, Paul is saying, whatever has happened, you know, has happened to advance the gospel. He says, but there's this weird thing that's taking place. There are individuals that are actually believers that are speaking the name of Jesus that are proclaiming the name of Jesus, but they are doing it out of envy and out of rivalry and selfish ambition. What in the world is happening there? That makes no sense at all at first glance. Like, Why are they preaching out of envy? Why are they preaching out of rivalry? And why are they preaching with selfish ambition? I don't know. I would say that the human heart is a very funny thing. There are individuals that are saying, man, everywhere Paul goes, 
people are getting saved like crazy. He's like adding numbers and his name is like known throughout this whole region. Okay, and There are people that are believers that would be envious of that and would say, well, at least he's in prison now, so I'm going to catch up to him. Okay, And even in some weird way, they're thinking like, the more I preach and the more I share, it's going to make life harder for him in prison. And you think, why would a believer do that? It makes absolutely no sense at all. It sounds crazy, but that's what's actually happening here. Okay, here's a passage from 1 Corinthians 3, 4. It says, for when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? You know, Paul understands this, and he says, they're not to follow me. I don't care if they're following me. You know, we don't want to have celebrity pastors. You don't want people following Sam. You don't want people following me. Nor do you want people following a particular church. Okay? We are to be Jesus followers. And Paul sees that. And he says, people are following Jesus. You know, we, we don't want to be, um, I don't know, insert your name, David Jeremiah followers or John Piper followers or Matt Chandler followers or even Redstone Church Elizabethan followers. It's Jesus. You know, our hearts are a funny thing and we can be pretty fickle and the things that come out that sound good, that look good on the outside. Oh, look at him, man, he's just getting bolder, he's proclaiming. But why? The truth of the matter is, I'm just trying to outdo Paul. And that was happening here. And I'm like, he's, these guys are crazy. Until, real life example, until I'm like, Jesus, how might this have impacted my life and I don't realize it? You know what came out? You're going to laugh, okay? So we start doing COVID online services and we're like in week number two or week number three. And I've already told this to Sam and we've laughed about it. And um, I'm like, wonder how many people are actually paying attention and following. I'm like, oh, wow, we had this many people that followed us on a Sunday morning on Facebook Live. That is really, really good. I wonder what Johnson City had. How we actually had more people than they did. You know, I didn't say that out loud. But I'm like, they're twice as big as we are, and we had more people watching. It was this funny moment where I'm like, what is that? That's just envy and rivalry getting ready to sprout. And if we don't apply the gospel and squash that quickly, that's what will happen. You know, and I told Sam, I said, you know, the only time, and I had to look this passage up, that it says that we're to outdo one another in the Bible, listen to this. This is Romans 12.10. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. So I'm like, you know what that means for us? We need to pray for Johnson City that God would bless them, the gospel would go forth, that God would anoint Spencer Till, and that that church would just flourish. Okay, outdo one another in showing honor, but do not let rivalry or envy or selfish ambition be your motivation for doing really good things. But you know what Paul says? Look at his response. He says, what then? Or he's really saying, so what? He says, I don't care actually, because you know what? The gospel's going forward anyway. And he's told us in Romans 1.16, and we know this, the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Or in 1 Corinthians 1.21, he says, it pleased God 
through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Okay, which leads us to truth number two. Truth number two. It is the power of God through the message of the gospel that saves people. And anyone can share that message. Camp Redstone, listen to this. This is you too. If you understand the gospel, college students, young adults, older adults, anyone can share this message. Anyone. When we went through the Gospel 101 series, we said this, we highlighted it, we underlined it, we put it in bigger font, and we put it in red. You know, over and over and over, it's not on your shoulders. It is not your responsibility to save people, but it is your responsibility to speak the name of Jesus and to understand the Gospel and share it with people. But on your very best day, with your very best words, you have zero power to change someone's heart and to save them. You cannot do it. The gospel is the power of God, and it's the message of the gospel that saves people, that people, anyone can share that message. Anyone. And anyone actually means anyone. And that includes you. Okay. Maya. You got a microphone? Okay, this is Maya Tierney, and she is going to read for us. And hey, bear with her. This is a lengthy passage. She's going to read verses 13 all the way through 30. What? Okay. 19 through 30, sorry. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Maya. I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death, for me To live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in the Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only yet let your manner of life be worthy of the guise be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but for your salvation and that from God it has been granted to you 
that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Wow. Thank you, Maya. That was a lot. lot. That's a mouthful. And that last word there says, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for him. That is the lot of a Christian. So David Crowder, um, if you've ever heard him sing, David Crowder has this one song um, and a book that he, he wrote called Everyone Wants to Go to Heaven, But No One Wants to Die. Or Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, But Nobody Wants to Die. It's pretty funny. But if you look at what Paul is saying here, listen to his words, not mine. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And then he goes on and he says a little bit later, my desire is to depart. Well, what does he mean by depart? He's stepping into this situation. He says, I'm in a Roman guard and I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this or not. I may make it out, and I may not. I may live, and I may die. Okay? And he says, but you know what? For me, if I live, it's for Christ. My focus is on Christ. But if I die, not only is that okay, he says, but that is actually gain. And then dot, 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 he says, my desire is to depart and to be with Christ. If I had to choose between the two, I hope I don't make it out of this prison because I'm so ready to go see Jesus. Okay, that's pretty bold. And when I read that, I'm like, wow. I mean, there's times that I want to leave this world too, but it's just because my body hurts or I'm tired or those kinds of things. But is it because I cannot wait to see Jesus' face? It's not necessarily the case. And that's what I see in Paul. Not only is he courageous, and that's contagious, but it's beyond that. Paul really, really, really loved Jesus. It wasn't just the fact that Jesus had forgiven his sins. It was the fact that he had a relationship with the God of the universe. And he really loved Jesus. Jesus. You know, I, I, was, I was thinking about my favorite passage in all of the Bible. Kyler knows this because I think it's hers as well. And I've made this my life verse. And it's Psalm 73, 25, and it says, Who do I have in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. And I think about that verse often. You know, who do I have? Is there, if you're not going to be in heaven, do I even want to go? And is there anything on earth or even anyone on earth that I truly desire besides you? And when I hear Paul's words here, that's, that's how I want to pray. That God would, would have me not only okay with death if it should come, but just be ready to see the face of Jesus. You know, at Christmas we say, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. And Paul is saying, Jesus is the reason for life. Jesus is the reason for suffering. Jesus is the reason for death, which leads to truth number three. And we must not forget this redstone Elizabethan. Truth number three, the glory of the gospel 
is to know and be known by Him. Relationship with Jesus is the point. The glory of the gospel is to know and be known by Him. Relationship with Jesus is the point. Revelation 2.2, God looks at the church in Ephesus and He says, this is the thing I have against you, church, more than anything else. You have forgotten your first love. You received the gospel. You wept tears. You put your arms in the air. You said, why, oh God, would you pursue me? Why would you love me? Why would you give yourself for me? I am so thankful. And there was this connection with the Almighty in that moment. And you loved Him in that moment. But over time, you began to get sucked into the religious part. Here's the things that you can do. Here's the things that you can't do. Here's what's expected to be on Sunday mornings and so on and so forth. And you start going through and you're doing good work maybe. You're maybe even speaking the name of Jesus. You may or may be even bold with your words. You may be reading your Bible every day and come to church every Sunday. But the question is, has your love for Jesus continued? Have you grown in your relationship with Jesus? Or have you become someone that is religious? Relationship with Jesus is the glory of the gospel. I mean, hear this, right? When we say, okay, what's the most important part about the gospel? That's easy. That my sins could be forgiven because if you could see my sins, you would throw up right now. They're bad. And Jesus comes in and says, I will take all your sins upon myself. I will take the punishment for your sins. And from this point forward, if you would believe and follow me, everything you've done wrong and will do wrong is completely forgiven. That's the glory of the gospel. And I would say, and I think Paul would say, yeah, that's a big part of it. But do you not understand the biggest part of the gospel? There was this veil that existed that separated man from this perfect and righteous and holy God. And the moment that Jesus gave himself, this veil was torn from the top to the bottom and it was opened up so that people like you and people like me that deserve nothing, would be able to step in and commune with, to walk with, to have a relationship with your Creator. That, my friends, is the glory of the Gospel. And along with that, He'll forgive your sins, and there's a place for you in heaven, and He'll never leave you, and He'll never forsake you. He'll provide for your needs, etc., etc., There's so many other things that he will do, but the glory of the gospel, relationship with Jesus. That is the main point. Back to Paul. Instead of asking the Lord to take him home, Paul sees how important the discipleship is and how important that advancing the kingdom is and says, but it's probably better for you that I remain here. I desire to go home. But it's probably better for you that I remain here. So, question for you and me. 
Would that be true of us? Are we so committed to sharing the gospel of the kingdom and discipling other people in the faith that if we were to die, there would be a void? I mean, this is, that's a challenging question. So you're gone, you no longer are here, do people come in and look and say, man, who is going to pick up the slack for what he has left? Because there is now a void in the kingdom because this guy was a discipler. He was bold in his witness. She was bold in her witness. She was living out the kingdom. She was a light for Jesus. If you were to depart, would there be a void? That's our mission. We are to be a church of disciples making disciples. And Paul understood that that was his call. And he was like, if you want me to be honest with you, I'm ready to go because I do love Jesus. But he's called me to stay on this earth for a reason. And I need to continue doing that work. Discipleship was the point for his mission on a daily basis. And then look at verses 27 and 28. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. And that leads us to our last point, our fourth point. Truth number four. Two of the great hallmarks that we are indeed Christ followers. They're not the only hallmarks, but two of the great hallmarks. We are united and we actually fight for unity. I mean, we fight to forgive one another. We fight to remove envy and jealousies and selfish ambition and all of these things from us so that we can truly be united. And number two, we live by faith and not by fear. Scripture says it many times, the righteous shall live by faith. Last note there's a word that's used here for frightened. And it's interesting because the word that's used there is found nowhere else in Scripture. I thought that was interesting. You don't see that very often. But if you go to Greek literature at the time, you can find this word that's used. And a really good example of where it's used is a horse comes onto the battlefield and he's ready for battle and that horse sees the horse on the other side, and he begins to cower, and he begins to retreat, and he begins to try to get away because he is actually frightened. Now you are sitting on a frightened horse. You know, what would that look like as you're stepping into battle? That is the word that is used here. And I thought, man, isn't that appropriate? With everything that's happening in our world right now, you know, and even individually, just this physical stuff and everything that's happening and unfolding, 
it's just a clear reminder that we are at war. There truly is a battlefield for hearts and minds and souls on a daily basis. There really is spiritual warfare, and God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-control, whichever version that you look at. But the point is, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but rather, as Ephesians 6 says, we are to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. There's a battle, and are we the horse that steps up and says, nope, they look a little too scary, and we're like, I'm out. God does not give us that kind of fear. We are not to be frightened Christians, but going back to point number one, we are to be courageous and contagious Christians. As your pastor, this has been a challenging point for me. I have found myself over the past year spending a lot of time under the heading of frightened. It's just physical, it's, whether it's prostate cancer or whether it's just other stuff. There's been one thing after another, after another, after another. And I looked at this and I thought about this passage and I had to remind myself, God did not give us a spirit of fear. There is nothing happening in your life, whether it's related to your job, whether it's related to your health, whether it's related to your work and a struggle that's there, there's nothing happening that is taking God by surprise. So whatever lot you have received in life, in this moment, step into it courageously, be kingdom focused in it, speak the name of Jesus, see the kingdom spread despite what you're going through, but do not back down do not cower do not be frightened and when people see that resolve when they see that confidence when they see that peace and joy in the midst of everything it truly is a sign to them their God must be real because they are not fighting and bickering and whining and complaining like everybody else in the world they're different, and that is attractive. It is actually contagious. And that's the thing that has people say, hey, can I talk to you? Can I ask you about your faith? Or why do you act the way that you do? And then like Paul, you can say, sure. And you can use it as an opportunity to share the gospel. You know, Paul looks at the situation in the face and says, so what? I don't care. The gospel is spreading. And I do pray for us that we would be willing to do the same. For me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. That is faith. And Paul is hoping that that same faith would catch hold of the church at Philippi and it would change them. And I am praying and Sam is praying that that same faith would take hold of you and me in Redstone Elizabethan and that we would be people 
that are Christians, that are courageous, and that it would indeed be contagious. It's a lot there, man. This passage has rocked my world over the past couple of weeks. It's been challenging. It's redstone, so I'm going to throw it back to you. What are you hearing? What's your response? What might you want to share? I have no idea where the cordless mic is, but if you do want to share, we're going to pass it to you. Anyone? Or should I say, who wants to go first? Remember the word of the day? Courageous. Just throwing that out there. Okay, I need to preach this again because y'all aren't, you must not have heard me. Tom Ermiger is the first courageous lad to get the mic. I'm just going to ask a question yeah. that people can respond to. How do you start a conversation about the gospel? That you're asking them? Yeah. Okay, how do you start a conversation so you're about the gospel? with whomever, a stranger, a friend. How would you start a conversation about the gospel? Chew on Tom's question. How do you open up conversations related to the gospel? Chew on that, and we'll come back to that. Sunshine. Um, I wanted to say, like, after I finished reading Philippians, I, uh, I wasn't, I didn't realize that it was so short as a, of a book, so I thought it was going to take me some time. And then when I got through it, I, like, text Jen, and I said, you know, uh, he is inspiring for sure because the fear of death isn't there because of what his life means and then I thought about like you know just things in my own life and then the the conquering of the fear and not necessarily about preaching the gospel but just making changes in my life or standing up for what is right and sometimes that is super difficult to do because the world is like so different or you know there's some the world like make it hard to say, well, I'm going to stand up because the mass majority are going to look at me and either think like maybe I'm foolish or, uh, you know, kind of ridicule or laugh at like what I'm doing now. And right. it's like, um, or just, you know, just things that are right in general, like a universal right and wrong or like the 10 commands, right or wrong. And it's like, um, being brave enough to implement things in my life and in my family so that you know other people do see hmm. what I'm doing but um doing that because people see is scary right but yeah so I'm inspired by what Paul wrote just because it's a you know do it not for yourself necessarily but do it because it's the right thing to do and do it because it's what Christ would want you to do and who cares what people say and if you are ridiculed or these aren't the people that, you know, or, you know, you, you can maybe reach them by doing the things that you're afraid to do because they're the right things to do. Yeah, so in the economy of Christianity, Jesus could have said, 
ah, you've received the gospel, you've believed, that's great, come on home. He could have done that, but he didn't. And he didn't because he says, no, I'm going to leave, and when I leave, I'm going to come back to you through the person of the Holy Spirit, and it's the living Christ that resides within us, okay? And then he says, now you are my ambassadors, as though I am making my appeal through you. And that may or may not be sinking in, but what he's saying is, you are Jesus in this world now. You are my ambassadors. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say and will show you what to say. I will give you the boldness, but if you'll speak the gospel, you're going to see people that are going to be changed because that's me living in you. That's why I'm leaving you here and not taking you home. Okay, so Tom's question of how do you open up gospel conversations is one, or if you're still thinking about the message, you can speak to that. Andrew is taking it for himself or going to give it to someone. I don't know. Yes, I'm taking it for okay. myself. So to address Tom's question, um, how do you open up those conversations? You just look for opportunities, and if you pray and if you're obedient and listening to the Holy Spirit, He will give you those opportunities. And it's weird how those things happen. I mean, just last night I was on a Discord channel. I don't know if anybody knows what Discord is. It's a online chat area that a lot of gamers use, and uh, there were eight or nine people on the channel and just the opportunity arose. I'm not even quite sure how it came about, but I was able to share my faith with uh, eight or eight or nine strangers just um, over that over that Discord channel and open up the, the discourse about faith. And, um, and you know, it, I think it started off as, you know, they, they asked what our hobbies were and what we did. And I thought, well, I'll talk about my involvement with Redstone and that I'm in a church plant, that I'm playing bass. And I uh, started talking about my faith, and then they started asking questions. So I think the, the answer to that is God will open up those, those opportunities. And you just have to be willing and obedient and courageous to stand up. It could have been, I could have talked about disc golf or anything, but God told me at that moment, you need to talk about your church and, uh, and share your faith. Yeah, that's great. So, honestly, when you said this, this what? Board. Yeah, I thought you were saying disco, and I was like, <laughs> he's on the disco floor. You were like dancing, and someone's like, tell me about Jesus. And you, yeah, you know, I'm sorry, that's just my mind, but that's what I, that's what I heard. Okay, so going to what you're asking, going to what you're saying, I'm going to ask you all, do you know what passage I would throw out there to answer Tom's question? Does anybody know? You better know. Yeah, you know. What? Yes. Okay, Colossians 4.2. That would be my answer. Okay, so Colossians 4.2 is, and we've got another one person, so, okay, in a moment. But Colossians 4.2 says basically this. It says, remain steadfast in prayer. In other words, keep praying. And then it says, but be watchful in it. And that verse has changed me over the past two years. Um, Adam and I are good buddies and we spend a lot of time together so like usually once a week we're like out and about and we're having conversations with people and it's like okay let's be prayerful but watch and see who ends up sitting here or standing there or what conversations come up you can't force it you don't need to force it you'll know when Jesus opens up the door and then if you're steadfast in prayer and if you're watchful you'll be able to turn into a gospel conversation uh, a good example this is a short and sweet one but I was telling Larry this yesterday or Friday um, like one of the girls came up to me, she's like, I actually have questions. You're a pastor and I've got questions. She asked me questions I had no answers to. I'm like, yeah, those are tough. I've, those are really, really hard questions. I can give you the, 
his ways are higher than our ways kind of an answer. She's like, that's not what I'm wanting. And I'm like, I know. And I'm just telling you, you're, you're asking some really, really hard questions. I said, but you know what? You ask me a question. I've got one for you because that makes me think of, of a difficult question that I have. She's like, okay, what's your question? I was like, well, why would the God of the universe who's perfect and holy and righteous, kind of like what Paul did, I said, if you knew my sins, I said, if I could like take a, a cord and plug it into me and just throw my sins up on a wall, you're going to see like bad stuff. You're going to be shocked. And my thoughts and my attitudes and my pride and just specific sins I've committed, why would God, knowing all of that, send his son and seek me out and save me and forgive me for all of that? I said, you're asking tough questions, but that's the question I struggle with. Why would God love me so much that he would give himself for me? And I was like, wow. Okay, definitely an unbeliever, but I just think it's paying attention, being steadfast and being willing to be bold and maybe creative. Um, okay, go ahead. Um, I guess kind of answering both um, what the message brought out for me and also to answer the question, communication is only 20% verbal. So... Um, in the verse that came up, I don't remember the reference, but it says to be prepared and ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Mm. The way we share our hope is the way we act. Mm. Um, in this time of like fear and corona and whatnot, how are you showing up to your neighbors or how are you showing up to the community and just like responding to everyday lives? And it's incredible that those small choices is really what empowers us to continue um, to share the gospel. Uh, and being able to create those opportunities is how you do act. Are you somebody who is approachable? Are you somebody who gets mad yeah. when their latte is messed up? Or <laughs> do you just go with the flow? Or you know, how do you treat your waitresses and waiters? Um, what kind of tip do you leave? Um, but just people in service and people on the street, like how do you treat somebody who bumps into you or mistreats you? Yeah, and I don't know actions always speak louder than words is what I've come to learn and that I think is like the greatest testimony we can have and it will lead to like those conversations mm -hmm. but still you know we still have to show up um, as who we are in Christ followers and such so we can't not tip or tip at 5% and be a jerk to our waitress and then be like you know what but I'm going to leave them a gospel track or I'm going to share Jesus with them those two don't work together do they Right? So if you'll remember from a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, I gave you the passage from Titus 3, and it says, have perfect courtesy or show perfect courtesy to all people. Okay, So your actions of where am I, what am I doing, what's the situation, whether it be tithing, whether it be you know, the food that wasn't done correctly, or a line that's too long, or just the madness of politics and COVID and everything else, how we're showing courtesy to all people, no matter which side that they're on, no matter what mistake that's been made and what have you, will show a lot. Just being courteous and just being kind, that was our word. We should be the kindest people on the planet right now and, and courteous to them. That will go a long way. Okay, next. Who else wants to share? Okay, Jennifer. There went the coffee. <laughs> um, the one thing that kept on going through my mind is when you talked about have a relationship with Jesus that if we 
are not only reading his word, but we're talking to him and we know him more intimately, it's not hard to share about Jesus. Just like we would share about a best friend that we spend a lot of time with and we love them, the more and more we have that relationship, um, that, that comes easier. And I loved what you said when Daniel was saying Jesus practice and saying Jesus a whole lot, that we bring it into our conversations because I've tried to, one thing that God's put on my heart is don't change my conversations when I'm talking to unbelievers. Like, still share my excitement about my relationship with God with them just as much as I do with when I'm talking to my Christian friends. So that would be my thing. Do I know how to open up the conversation? I think if I read his scripture and I start mimicking what he did, one, where he hung out with people and built relationships. Two, I got to know him better. And more importantly, that would be a more percent to get and share. Yeah, very good. Very good. Um, three seconds. Is there anybody else? And if not, I'm going to close this out. So if there's something that's on your heart, uh, now's the time to share it. Okay. I'm going to close this out. This is one of the things I truly, 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 I'm going to be like spitting on you guys, because I keep on getting closer, um, that I love about our church is that we are going into the Word of God, and then we're having a conversation about what we're hearing. And it's impacting my heart, and it's impacting your heart, and we're sharing together. That's just something I love. We're growing together, and this is your church. Right? This is where Jesus has planted you and you are as much a part of building the kingdom of God as the person who's you know, preaching on a Sunday morning. Let's just keep it that way. This is a community and let's just grow in the Lord together and let's be challenged together. But I hope if we don't walk out of here today understanding I've got to be more courageous with my faith. I've got to be more courteous you know, and kind with my actions. You know, I've got to learn to speak the name of Jesus and I'm scared because I don't know how it's going to be received, right? Then we're missing it because this is not just for here. This is training. This is where we encourage one another. We worship, we give, we confess sins to one another, but then we walk through those doors and we're entering into ministry. So let's do so courageously. And the challenge, and Sunshine, you did it. The challenge this next week is we're going to jump into chapter two. Okay, and we're going to be in chapter 2 for two weeks. So at a minimum, we're asking everyone, go sink your teeth into chapter 2 every day this week, and then every day the next week, okay? You know, so just, just spend some time in chapter 2 for a few weeks, okay? And if you're really, really bold, it's only four chapters, you can read all of Philippians every day. If we do that, the Word of God has the ability to change us in a big way. So let's not just show up on Sunday morning ready to hear the Word of God. Let's be, I wonder what he's going to say about this. Or, oh, I hope he preaches on this particular verse because it's, it's really challenged me this week. Okay, I am praying for us, and I think we are then going to sing the doxology together, which is something we haven't done in a while. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Father, I thank you for your Word. Lord, I thank you for... Um, babies and children that are in here with us watching us struggle through how do we 
get closer to Jesus and love him more and share him courageously in this world. I thank you for the good work that you are doing in our midst. Lord, help us to be Christians that are courageous and that are contagious to the degree that this thing that Paul had, this relationship that he had with you, where he could say, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, that that would be true of us as well. Lord, we can't turn on uh, a switch or flick a switch and make that happen. It's going to be us in your word and spending more time with you. The righteous shall live by faith, and I pray that we would be people with great faith. In Christ's name we pray, amen.